week three college football betting and week two NFL betting on high motor by BetMGM today. The Thursday betting preview episode for the weekend. Andrew Doughty and Chase Kitty. And we just have a shitload of games to get to, so we're not going to waste any time here. Starting with Thursday Night Football. Giants at Washington, minus three. At least it, it was minus three last night. We're talking here on Wednesday. It hasn't changed. All right, it is three and a half now. Three and a half. Three and a Washington, half. Washington minus three and a half. I want you to just convince me that Washington minus three and a half isn't the right play because on the field, this is the right play. I know that going into the season, you were higher on the Giants than I was. You took them last week. You were pretty shocked by that result. But with how much the Giants struggled to push around the Broncos front seven at all, and the Broncos have a good front seven, but why are they going to be more successful against Washington doing that? I don't know if at quarterback that's a huge downgrade with Fitzpatrick out, but I think the starting QB is out, quote, perception, has adjusted this line maybe a little bit. In my favor, if I am going to take Washington minus three and a half, I would probably still take them at four or four and a half, but I'll gladly do it at three and a half. And I just, I don't care, like, look at the numbers of this. I just don't care that the Giants are a great ATS road team and a few other numbers that support them historically in this spot. I just don't think the Giants are a very good team. Am I overreacting after week one? And tell me I'm just flat out wrong by believing on the field matters a lot more than in the books for this matchup. Uh, this Yeah, this is one of those games where it's like there, there's a million different ways to try to present your case on how you want to handicap it. I think starting with the game itself and the actual football teams, I, I think you kind of said this. I'm going to say it in a different way. Washington presents a similar challenge to New York uh, that Denver did. And I think in terms of the matchup, it's a very similar matchup with the difference being this game is in Washington and not at MetLife Stadium. I think you are spot on when you say the backup quarterback thing is probably being a little overhyped. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's like 37 years old now at this point. This is not 2011 anymore. So an older uh, veteran quarterback who is kind of a journeyman to begin with going from that to uh, Heineke, not well, what would this number be? I mean, if if it's fit, if Fitzpatrick played the whole game uh, in Week One, he played fine. Just he had a Ryan Fitzpatrick game. Oh, I, I think line, it would be the same. I, I I'm think not it would be the sure, same. I'm oh. not sure that there's any significant handicapping difference between Fitzpatrick and Heineke. I, I don't think like if Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing, Washington's a six point favorite, but all of a sudden they open at minus three. I, I don't I don't see that at all. Really, I would guess maybe they open at three and a half instead of three. I mean, that's kind of the difference. So that's, that's I think, where you start. Now you want to look at – I wanted to look at some of the recent matchup history. And a little bit has been made this week of the fact that – I think I saw a Washington Post article about this. Daniel Jones is literally only good against one team, and it's <laughs> Washington. That's the only team he ever plays well against. I think against. he's 6-0, right? So, against yeah, so Washington? Some, some stats that I have here. The Giants have won five straight against Washington. They've won 12 of the last 16 – and they haven't lost by more than one possession to Washington since December of 2011. Okay. Uh, in terms of the scoring, four of the last nine had 30 points or less. Eight of the last 13 had 40 points or less. This total last I checked was 40.5. I think uh, even though you've lost a couple points already, I believe it opened at, you know, around 42, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, I think I saw it open as high as 43 and a half, but I think most most places were right around 42, 42 and a half. 
I would be looking at the under here, even though you've already lost a couple of points. I'm not really interested in the side thing. The the Daniel Jones thing actually does freak me out a little bit because I, when you when you're talking about how the Giants, I mean, this is spanning multiple head coaching regimes on both sides, but 12 of the last 16 outright winners and five straight, all of whom I believe featured Daniel Jones as the quarterback. That's enough of a sample size for me to go. I'm not sure here, even though the Giants offense looks pretty discombobulated and we're pretty sure that the Washington defense is going to tear them up. I would rather just go with the total here and attack the under rather than try to pick a side because frankly, I mean, yes, Washington's a three and a half point favorite. Yes, I think that number's probably right, but either team could win this game. I wouldn't be that shocked. Uh, So I'd probably stay away from trying to figure out the side situation and play the under and just probably cash on what we expect is going to be a really ugly, dirty, hard-to-watch offensive game. Where do you want to go from here? I have some notes on games like I have Cardinals-Vikings next, I have Panthers-Saints. Either of those two games interest you, you want to go somewhere else right now? So I, before I get to my actual plays that, that I've put money on and are, are handled and taken care of on the card, uh, just, just a couple of notes I have. First of all, let me ask you, Houston at Cleveland. Cleveland's about a 12-and-a-half point favorite. How do you feel about that? That's a big number. It's a big number, yeah. The Jaguars are terrible. I think that we saw that in week one. I don't know if it's getting any better. I believe the reports that are coming out about Urban Meyer pissing off his staff and pissing off his players. I, I fully buy those reports and how dysfunctional this could actually be. So I think the Jaguars are horrible. I don't know if the Texans are as good as we saw they were, but still going up to Cleveland 12 and a half points. I mean, is this going to be a 17 point game in the fourth quarter and the Texans score with two minutes left? That's what scares me with a number like that. Yeah, I would, if I was betting this game, which I'm not, I would think that there, there could be some, something to the idea that Houston maybe be is a slightly smaller underdog than they would have been otherwise because of all the teams they could have opened against. They opened against a very dysfunctional Jacksonville team who is breaking in a bunch of new players, already has some injuries, first-time NFL coach, blah, 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 all the way on down the line. Uh, verse, and, and then on the other side, you have Cleveland, who looked great last week for about 51 minutes, right? Like that. I, I don't come out of week one. I, I come out of week one feeling better about my Cleveland Super Bowl ticket, not worse, right? I feel very good about it. But the fact that they kind of let that game get away from them toward the end of the game means they're 0-1. I feel like 12.5 for Cleveland here, actually pretty good value because of how week one went for both of those teams. So if you want to bet this, I would actually think about betting on Cleveland and obviously, you know that you know you might get burned by the backdoor cover because of Tyrod Taylor and, and him being a traditionally ATS undervalued commodity as a quarterback, and you know you're hanging a big number. All of that, fine. Caveats aside, I would still think that uh, Cleveland would be the side that I want to be on. Going back to another point you made about this, they just happened to open with the Jaguars. They play. Let's take a team. They play the they're at the Cardinals uh, in near the end of October, like week six or seven, somewhere around there. If they had opened with the Cardinals, at the Cardinals, I think the Cardinals win that game by 14, 17, somewhere in that ballpark at least. And you could have even told me that this Texans team was going to be a little bit better, but then going from that Cardinals game to Cleveland after losing by 17 points in Arizona, this number is not going to be 12 and a half. No, I would think it would be 14 and a half. 
So that's your play here because you feel like you're getting two extra points because the schedule just happened to set up this way. Yes. I like Houston opened one and oh, and there's a good chance they'll be like one and 10, you know? So yeah, I think there, there could be some value here. Yeah. Let's talk about the Cardinals. Good. That's the only game I really, really want to talk about because I think this line is fascinating. It was four and a half. I believe it's still four and a half. Let's make sure. Down to three and a half. Holy smokes. Now I really want to talk to you about this game. What is there to suggest that the Vikings offensive line is just going to magically improve overnight against a team with probably the best pass rush from the league? We saw that in week one. Obviously, Chandler Jones isn't going to continue at that pace, but right now, Chandler Jones is the best pass rush from the league. Why are they just going to improve overnight against a better defensive line? I don't think that it's going to be maybe as sloppy as a game. I just think the odds of them having that many false starts again. I'm betting that the Vikings won't have 12 flags again. But Ryan Tannehill still couldn't throw the ball downfield all day against his Cardinals defense. And Cousins can't do that against anybody. So what's going to change there? You said last week, remember, that sometimes betting can be fairly simple. Looking at that Coastal Carolina-Kansas game, and you said flat-out Coastal Carolina is just four touchdowns better than Kansas. That number was 25. This is my simple game. Arizona right now is just five points better. Well, I guess now four points better than the Vikings are right now. Yeah, three and a half points better. This is an awful rebound game for the Vikings as they face a very real prospect of 0-2. So this kind of goes to the Washington Giants question. Like, What is there on the field that suggests that the Vikings can keep this within a field goal? And am I oversimplifying this game now that it has dropped a full point? I think I pulled that this morning. Maybe it's dropped a full point in the last, like, 15 hours. Uh, I think that under Kingsbury, Arizona has not played great as a favorite. I would, I, I agree with you that Arizona would be the side here. But if I'm making the argument of why it's more complicated than that, that's, I think, why. They play much better as a dog than they do as a favorite. But for me, this is about Minnesota because... I mean, you were talking about Jacksonville and the reports that, you know, Urban's pissed his staff off. Minnesota seems like a team that just doesn't like each other very much. Like, like there's not a lot of cohesion. There's not a lot of, like, team spirit or whatever that's worth. It just feels like a bad locker room right now to me. Uh, maybe you know more about that than me because you're a big Vikings fan, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. You going to bring this shit up on every episode? <laughs> maybe. Am I doing this to you? I stopped talking about 07 West Virginia Pitt. Do you know how many you're a big Vikings fans it would take to equal God. one 07 Pitt? I, I feels it feels like a lot. Anyway, that's a that's a sidecar. I think Arizona would be the side here if you want to play it, and I haven't bet this yet, but I am thinking about adding it to my card. I just think Arizona's way better than Minnesota. And the only thing that gives me any pause is I wonder if Minnesota already feels desperate. Like the season already is getting away from them, you know? So you mentioned Kingsbury, not great as a favorite. You were spot on with that two and seven at home as a favorite, Yeah. as a favorite overall four and nine. I mean, not a massive sample size. You go down, there are only one, two, three, four teams with fewer games as a favorite, five teams as fewer games as a favorite since 2018. I mean, Giants, Jets, Jacksonville, etc. So you're right with that part of it. I don't know how much that applies here because we've seen, I mean, like three years ago, four years ago, Mike Zimmer was considered one of the best coaches in the NFL and everybody was on the same page. They had a defense that was flying around. I mean, talk about now a team that doesn't look like it's cohesive at all. Those teams with a definition of cohesive, especially on defense. It just feels like a completely different landscape 
with both teams right now, moving one moving forward and one moving backward, that I'm not sure how much stock I want to put into those numbers. I'm fast. I mean, if this number drops to like two and a half, then that's obviously with how much money comes in for the NFL. There's obviously a lot of money on the Vikings at that point. How about like, then if, if you don't feel comfortable with betting Arizona minus the points, maybe you go after the over or maybe you go after the Arizona team total over. Because I feel like if Arizona fails to cover this, it's not because they lost, you know, 10-7 or, or one, even won 10-7, right? It feels like it would be because their defense gave up too many points, not because their offense failed to score. So I, I wonder if that would be an alternative way to attack this. Interesting first half. So the, the total, or excuse me, the spread on this game, three and a half Arizona. First half is only three. I know that with a smaller spread, you're just naturally going to have that smaller number. For example, the Chargers are minus three against the Cowboys. First half, they're minus two and a half, but still not a big difference there at all. Anything else on Vikings, Arizona? What else you got? I'm not betting it because I'm not, you know, I'm just not. But I'm interested by this Pats-Jets game. I've heard a lot of uh, I've heard a lot of people saying, well, you know, Belichick's record against rookie quarterbacks. Well, the Patriots are zero and one. They they need to even this out. Well, I, I mean, all that's fine, but this is Mac Jones's first road game as an NFL quarterback. So it's it's you know, Belichick's record against rookie quarterbacks is what it is in part because for most of that he had Tom Brady. So I think uh, I, th- I think this is an interesting spot. I think depending on where you got the number last week, the Jets actually got you the back door against Carolina. I would not rule out another situation like that this week at home. Uh, I-, I think they're going to struggle to run the ball this year uh, after they're already down a pretty major piece on the offensive line. But I would I would stay away from this. The Pats minus five and a half on the road. Mac Jones's first road start. It just feels like such a square bet to me. I'm I'm very interested to see what happens with this game because I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets won this game. I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me like some people are talking about. How about the total on this game? I mean, that's at 43. I'm not sure what it opened at. First half total 21. I think I would lean under on here. I don't know if there's enough firepower on either side, and I think there's enough on defense to make this a 21-17 game. Maybe. I mean, you you can't go wrong betting divisional unders. You're going to win more of those than you're going to lose. I'll tell you the unders that I like this week in the NFL, and that is under 50 for 49ers-Eagles. I think that should be lower scoring. I think you're maybe getting a couple extra points there after just the absolute shootout that we saw in Detroit this past week. So I like the under 50 there. Philadelphia's got more defensive talent probably than they get credit for. And then Las Vegas, Pittsburgh. That is going to be an ugly low scoring game. Pittsburgh can't run the ball. The Raiders are coming east early window short week after the big emotional Monday night football win. Uh, I I think you could make an argument to bet the Steelers as well. So maybe a Steelers under parlay, but I would just prefer not to bet on the Steelers. I would bet on the under in that one as well. I was going to bring up the first half total for that game too. So that's at 23 and a half for all the reasons that you just noted. I feel like that's a safer bet, at least for me, to take that first half number of 23 and a half. Just bet that this game starts extremely slow. 
like the Raiders did last week, like the uh, like the Steelers did last week. I don't know if the Steelers are going to have that much more success running the ball, maybe a little bit, but I completely agree with you. I think this is going to be long possessions, field goals to end the drive, stalled drives in the red zone. I think 23.5 for that first half total uh, kind of interests me a little bit. I think the Raiders will do their part for the first half number in, in terms of keeping it low scoring. I, I don't see them coming to Pittsburgh and scoring 17 points before halftime. What I would worry about is Roethlisberger's home road splits. He can be a lot more productive at home than he is on the road, and, and that is a years-long trend at this point. And I would worry maybe a little bit about just a random hot start or some busted Raiders secondary coverage, and then you know you blink and it's Pittsburgh's got 20 on the board at the break. So I, that would worry me a little bit, but I think that's probably a good find by you. It's under 23.5. I like the number. These two games I've gone back and forth on. When I was making notes on Tuesday, I was dead set on taking the Panthers at 3.5, plus 3.5 versus the Saints. And then I totally flipped last night to Saints 3.5. Now I don't know which direction I'm taking. Same deal with the Bills at the Dolphins. Bills minus 3.5, Dolphins plus 3.5. Yesterday I was dead set on taking the Dolphins at 3.5. Last night I was dead set on taking the Bills at 3.5. Now I don't know which side to take. Can you provide me any sort of clarity Bills minus three and a half at the Dolphins. Saints minus three and a half against the Pan- uh, Panthers. You've talked so much over the years about home dogs. Can you give us anything here to make up my mind? Well, I'm staying away from the Panthers-Saints game because I, I feel like I didn't... I'm not sure what I learned about either team last week. I, I don't know. I mean, look, if, if the Saints are going to play like that every week, you know, in, enjoy designing your Super Bowl ring, James Winston, right? Because that's, I mean, that's how good they looked last week against a perennial deep playoff team. So I'm not sure what to do with that. And I'm also not sure what to do with Carolina's kind of uh, blue collar win over the Jets. Like they, they always felt in control of that game, but it's not like they were offensively, you know, throwing the ball all over the place or whatever, whatever. I mean, the Jets actually played pretty well, I thought. Uh, so I don't really know what to do with either of those teams yet. I do like a play in the Miami-Buffalo game, and I'm on the Dolphins plus three and a half. I am interested to get into the trend pretty much going back the last couple years, maybe the beginning of 20, maybe the beginning of 19, of road favorites actually having more value than home favorites. Uh, tr- historically, home dogs is awesome. Uh, I have noticed the last couple of years, and I'm wondering if it's because of the proliferation of gambling, that there's actually now more value. There are better ATS records with road favorites than home favorites. I was, or, oh, I'm sorry, road dogs than home dogs. I was on two home dogs last week, 0-2 in those. We talked about it on Monday. That is completely anecdotal, super small sample size. So obviously I'm not basing the whole thing just on what happened with my personal card in week one. That would be ridiculous. But it is a trend I've seen. Uh, we, there was a big thing made last week or uh, last year of week one road underdogs covering. There was a big thing this past week, this season's week one of road dogs co- covering. So I am a little, a little hesitant right now. I'm a little gun shy about going really hard into the home dogs thing because I wonder if it's actually been a market over a correction and it's not as valuable as it used to be. I want to dig into that more. All of that was sort of um, me huffing and puffing before saying, I like the Dolphins as a home dog. 
I'm I think uh I think Buffalo, I, I'm not ready to give them the massive respect that the market seems ready to give them. A lot of people saying, oh, they started bad, slow start, oh and one, they'll get it right this week. I don't know. I thought the Dolphins looked pretty good. I thought the defense looked really good in New England. I think the defense is going to look really good again this week. So I think the Dolphins plus three and a half are the right side here. I think they can win outright. I would not be shocked if Buffalo starts 0-2. It seems like every year there is a team that people have very high expectations for that starts 0-2. Buffalo is on the short list of teams to do that this year, I think, just because of how the schedule falls. Uh, But I'm not... I mean, I think Josh Allen could take a step back this year. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. So I like the Dolphins here to win outright. I would look at the money line. I'm taking the plus three and a half. Since 2015, you mentioned those road favorites. Obviously not massive sample sizes because naturally you're going to have more home favorites. But Buffalo 8-5-1 against the spread as as an away favorite. So they're covering 60-ish percent of the time. Uh, Their plus-minus average cover is one of the best in the league over that time, plus five. Only the the Bucs and the Giants are better in terms of average cover on the road as favorites. I mean, it's it's a kind of a bizarre stat because it's going to be a top-heavy thing where, not necessarily top-heavy, but you have more teams that are dominating. You have, you know, the Colts and the Bucs and the Niners and the Bears, the Packers, Eagles, all teams that are very good as away favorites, and then you just have a shit ton of teams that they've kind of been beating up on. For example, like New England has had 41 games as the road favorite. They're only 15 and 16. The Rams have had 27 games over that time. Seattle has had 28 games over that time. So obviously a lot more teams, a lot of the teams that have been a lot better over the years, uh, just generally outside of betting, have had more games, obviously, as road favorites. Um, I only have one other parlay I want to ask you about, but anything other games that we haven't touched on that you're taking? Chiefs, three and a half. Don't think about it. Just do it. How about this Browns, Bucks, Seahawks money line parlay? Minus 109. Give me your thoughts there. Uh, so the Cleveland, I don't have this in front of me. Cleveland's playing Houston. The Bucks are playing Atlanta. The Seahawks are playing Tennessee. Tennessee at home minus me. 109 on that. So the Browns right now, Browns right now 650 in the money line. Bucks 650. Seahawks minus 225. Obviously the Seahawks are the one that that are going to push you much more toward even money. If you take them out, you're at what minus 302. Yeah, and and I would even I would maybe maybe even think about getting a little more risky. Maybe go find the two and a halves on the alt lines for each of those. I would maybe think about that. Here's, I'm not telling you to take Atlanta, okay? Let me make that clear. Boy. Not telling you to take Atlanta. Certainly not to win, probably not even to cover. But a, You want to put the Atlanta, you want to swap the Bucks money line for the Atlanta money line on this? A stat that I did find while researching uh, this particular episode of High Motor, since 2006, so pretty good sample size here, Road division dogs of 12 points or more. ATS record of 45, 30, and 2. So big time divisional dogs where you're, you know, you're almost two touchdowns or greater. Uh, I don't know that I would want to pick the Falcons in that spot, even though the the stat backs them there, uh, just because they looked awful against Philadelphia. It feels like it's going to take them a little while to get going with Smith's offense, and the Bucks have extra time to prep for this game. 
So I, I don't I don't necessarily know that I'm I'm backing the Falcons there, but just a stat maybe to keep in the back of your mind before you unload on Tampa. <laughs> All right, we're transitioning to college here for the Airhorn, and I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of picks here in a second, but I want to talk about one of my favorite picks of the week. I bet on their win total. I bet on them in week one. I bet on them twice in week two. And I'm going back to the well again here in week three with the Toledo Rockets. <laughs> All right? Toledo, boy, I I dug that Notre Dame Toledo. Fine, pick. you were right. You oh get all God, of it. that you one get all of good. it. You get the, you were right. I was all over Ooh. Kent State in the MAC. I get it. That that Notre Dame pick was just fantastic. And this week, Toledo at home laying fourteen in the hook against Colorado State, the same Colorado State team that just got bludgeoned at home by South Dakota State. That team only getting 14 in the hook in Toledo. I, this is a Toledo play. Toledo's just way, way better. They're going to win by multiple touchdowns. I am happy to lay the 14 in the hook. I'm expecting Toledo to win by 20 points or more. This game will not be close. Colorado State, I mean, this is one of the worst teams in the country. They allowed 24 points to Vandy. They're probably a bottom five team. I mean, Steve Adazio is going to get the two-and-done treatment. I think that they're going to atone for that botch coaching search make the right hire with Tony Alford this time. And this bad year is going to continue to get bad. I think it is. I agree with you. I think it's a blowout in Toledo, but why is this number so low? Because this seems, if you had asked me before I saw this, I would have said Toledo 20. I think this number is outrageously low. It's just, just a wrong number. Yeah, I think it's just a wrong number. I think the marketplace has not adjusted to how good Toledo is. You would think after the near win in South Bend last week, that they would have, but I, I don't know. Maybe they just, maybe just the loss, they're one and one, and they saw the loss to Notre Dame, and they said, okay, business as usual, let's keep it moving. I think this is a, I think this is a total miss on what the line should be. I think it should be way, I think it should be between 17 and 20. I mean, this is just, I think this is wrong, so I'm going to bet it. You mentioned the Vanderbilt game. Vanderbilt was held to three points at home by East Tennessee State. They go to Colorado State and win 24-21. Now Colorado State has to play Toledo, which can score some points, man. Who like, else are you trying to convince? I think like, I think we're good, aren't we? I mean, I'm just saying that like, Toledo's I mean, you, how much time did you spend on the Chiefs? Toledo <laughs> Toledo's going to drop Toledo's going to drop 50 in this game. <laughs> Before we jump into some games here, I want to talk about, talk about Alabama, Florida, obviously, but I want to talk about Oregon plus 175 to win the Pac-12. And I texted you this earlier today, and you didn't even respond. <laughs> I think I was busy, but yeah, I, uh, yes. Explain this number to me because the North is locked up. So you're giving me plus 175 in one game. They just have to win the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, not easy. But that's essentially the bet here because the North is locked up. So you're giving me the odds right now, Oregon versus TBD in the Pac-12 I mean, championship game, plus 175. Can they, that's can the they bet win I'm a Pac-12 game before they're locked up and into the championship game? Can they win one conference game? No. This is done. Who's going to take it from them? If you can make an argument for anybody else in the North, let her rip. But this is locked up. This division is trash. It's not great. 
You don't even want to talk about this. Let's talk about <laughs> Alabama, Florida. No, I, 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 I would say the marketplace really likes UCLA. I, UCLA is good. The South is going to be a bloodbath. There, there's going to be a lot of losses because I think there's a lot of good teams down there. And why isn't Jimmy Lake fired yet? <laughs> you realize that we're going to ha- we have like two more months of this USC search. They're not going to hire or announce a coach in the next two months. Oh God, I, I just want to. I, I've got this in my notes. I want to jump right to this. You got to take Washington State plus the eight and a half this week. It's on the card. I'm betting it. Alabama, Florida, huh? I'm, no, I'm serious. All right. Do you know? No, I know much, you are, but you made your point. Do and... you know how demoralizing it must be to start the season and have your coach fired in week two? That's I mean, so UConn depressing. Didn't react all that well. That's depressing. And then just the line. The line is so fishy. Eight and a half. USC's good. I mean, I know they just got boat race by Stan. If you play that game a hundred times, how many times does USC's kicker get ejected for targeting on the opening kickoff? Yeah, but who gives a shit about that when you're giving up 42 to Stanford? I I just, I, I mean, I can't make an empirical case for this. I just feel like you just get shell-shocked by a weird thing right out of the gate and you're just not right all night. I mean, that's, that's my guess. I mean, they're, if you're a good team, if you're well coached, if you're disciplined, you should be able to, you know, hey, next play, let's move on. But I don't know. I it's just sometimes weird stuff happens and it impacts the rest of your night. I mean, I th- we talked in the preseason about how I thought Clay Helton was going to get fired this season no matter what. So at a certain point, if it's inedible, just do it. But yeah, I, I think Washington State is definitely a play this week. That is that is on the card. How about that Stanford over four, though? I think I was on here after that K-State game saying, boy, I don't feel very good about that ticket anymore. I, Suddenly that's back in play. I mean, it's in, it's certainly in play because they get the USC win. But, I, I I mean, if they beat Kansas State but then lose by 40 to USC, do you feel different about that ticket? I don't know. Because it would be the same outcome. It would be one and one after two games. Let's talk about Bama, Florida. Go ahead. Alabama minus 15 and a half total in this game, 59, I believe, unless it moved. Historically, Bama, I mean, the, historically, this game favors Bama. They've been the best ATS team in the country in conference games over the last, I think it went back to 2010, so over the last decade in terms of ATS plus minus. I just cited that. So they have an average cover of 4.2 points, best in the country in conference games. Not a ton, a ton of other history notes that I want to bring up in part because these teams don't play in the regular season like at all this is the first time they played in Gainesville since 2011 first time they played in the regular season anywhere since 2014 the only read on this is that 59 is a lot I really doubt I'm going to take the under but I think because we saw that shootout last year in the SEC championship game which at the time nobody was expecting I don't think that's what those teams were last year I don't think that's what these teams are this year even though Alabama can score is fifty nine is taking the under on fifty nine the right play here because people are kind of overvaluing the importance of that whatever it was forty five to forty two game last year. It could be, I think. Given, I mean the the offenses are totally different this year, right? So it's really hard to compare the game we're going to watch this weekend to last year where they've got 
Mac Jones, Jay, not, I mean, just there's so, there were so many freaking people on those teams and Devontae Smith and Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and all these playmakers. It's a totally different roster situation for both teams this year now. So I think it's really hard to compare it to last year. I think marketplace-wise, you could make the case that coming off of that game, maybe you you spot the total a little higher just because you think people might be coming on the uh, on the over in, in a residual sort of fashion. But I just, I don't know how to handicap this game at all, man. I got to be honest. I, I don't... I don't know what to make of Alabama's first two games. I after the Miami after the Miami game, we talked a little bit about how I watched that game and it felt like Miami just they weren't prepared to be physical enough to be competitive in that game. It just it wasn't their DNA. They're a finesse team and Alabama just kind of smashed them and they just wanted it to be over. And then, you know, I'm not going to make anything of the Mercer game. So I don't know what to think of Alabama's offense going into a game like this at Florida. I mean, clearly it's good. I don't know how to compare it to what it's been through the first two games. I don't know how to compare it to what it was last year. I don't know what to make of Florida at all. I It's just, this is a stay away from me. I mean, plain and simple. I don't want to lay that many points on the road in the SEC. I mean, I, I, I get your, your point about Alabama's ATS record is well taken, but this is a stay away for me. Uh, as with, I think, if you're a longtime listener of High Motor, you know that a lot of these big games, I mean, sometimes I have a position, but a lot of times I just feel like there's way better value in other places, and this is definitely one of those cases. This is a game I'm going to watch. This is a game that's going to help me figure out how I should feel about Alabama, not a game I'm going to bet. Yeah, it does feel like we just have to bring up these games. Maybe we don't anymore. It feels like we're bringing up these headliner games because people watch them, and most people are going to bet on this game, but I guess they're still worth talking about. Anyways, the number on this game has actually dropped to 15, Alabama minus 15. The total popped up half a point to 59.5. I mean, I got notes all over here. Buffalo, Coastal Carolina, Notre Dame, Purdue. Why don't we go there? Because you had talked about... There's going to be a tremendous opportunity. I think you had texted me on Saturday after that Toledo game. There's oh, going to yeah. be a tremendous opportunity to take Notre Dame in the coming weeks because everybody is low on them, Yes, especially after everybody watched that ending of Jacksonville State beat Florida State. Now people are wondering, hey, maybe Notre Dame isn't actually that good. So they're a seven-point favorite at home against Purdue, single-digit favorite against a team that I still don't think is very good. I completely agree with you. I thought this number... It came out even lower. Going into it, I was using the mindset that you had mentioned that Notre Dame is going to be in a good spot to take here. I was prepared to take them at like nine or nine and a half. Yeah. Therefore, seven surprised me quite a bit. Is it to the point where it's fishy for you, though? Oh, no. This is, I, I just think this is overcorrection from what we've seen the previous two weeks. And, and to give the book some credit, this is probably where the marketplace is, right? I think a lot of people are probably going to come in on Purdue in this spot. But I love Notre Dame. And to flesh out some of the things you alluded to that, that I texted you, basically the idea is this. Notre Dame plays a night, big time, week one, emotional, historically significant matchup between Florida State and Notre Dame. It's Sunday night. They come home off of a short week, which I've already break, broken down how that all works and, and the time that you miss. They play a Toledo team that's better than a lot of people realize, and they're on short rest. The game is close. People think, oh, Notre Dame stinks. And then you add the Jacksonville State thing on top of it, which again, Jacksonville State is hugely, hugely advantaged by the fact that Florida State 
played Sunday night late, game goes to overtime. Basically, you you don't even start practice really for the Jacksonville State game until Tuesday. You got three days of practice. So Jacksonville State, hugely advantaged by that. They end up winning the game. People think Florida State sucks. The Notre Dame win that they have over Florida State retroactively must be worthless. All-time low position for Notre Dame that you're going to see them probably all season. I love Notre Dame minus seven against Purdue. They are clearly the better team here. They're back to full rest. They've they've had a scare put in them by Toledo and Notre Dame now in consecutive weeks. And they're probably going to come out this week and blow the doors off Purdue. And everybody's going to go, oh, wow. Okay. What are we supposed to do with Notre Dame? Man, close game with Florida State. Close game with Toledo. Beat the shit out of, uh, out of Purdue. Like, wow, they're all over the place. But it's all kind of foreseeable if you're paying attention to the details. Notre Dame, minus the seven. It's even down from seven and a half, which it was a couple hours ago. When it I actually just popped back up to seven and a yeah. half while so we were talking. Maybe yeah. you're going to see it bounce back and forth between seven and seven and a half. If you can get it at seven, then obviously key number, uh, do it, even if you feel like you want to buy the extra point. But I think seven or seven and a half. I love Notre Dame, one of my favorite plays of the week. Really quickly, we had mentioned Nebraska-Oklahoma. I think when we had talked on Sunday night, that was at 21 maybe. It's at 22 and a half, I believe now. Any other notes on that or that that does that extra point doesn't do anything for you you're still taking Oklahoma yeah I mean it's it's already locked in for me I, I took it you know back earlier in the week I think if, if you want to be conservative here and just go straight bet and stay away from the parlay and, and you don't even want to do both bets just play the over because Nebraska is going to score points in this game this is not going to be 45 to 10 uh, Nebraska is going to get 20 they're going to get 24 they're going to get 28 maybe 31 like they're they're going to hold up their end and then you know what Oklahoma is going to do so I'm actually shocked that this number is as low as it is I would think it would be more in the mid or high 60s also circling back to one that you briefly mentioned for Monday's episode Boise State at the time I believe they were four and a half home favorites over Oklahoma State very simply, I think you just said that Boise State's a better team. We haven't seen anything at Oklahoma State. Totally agree with you on that. Shocked that, number is, that actually, number is that low. It's actually dropped to three and a half now. That's why I yeah. wanted to circle back to it. Do you care at all that number has dropped? No. Uh, I I wonder if it was early early week. Hey, look at that. We're getting the P5 team, and they're catching points. But, I mean, Boise State is a way better team than Oklahoma State so far this season from what I've seen, from what you've seen. I will happily lay the points. Give me Boise State minus the three and a half. I want to talk about a team that everybody is all over right now, and that's Iowa. So they're at home against Kent State. Big favorites. Last time I checked, they were 22-point favorites, 23-point favorites, somewhere in there. Yeah, still 23-point favorites. The total on this game is 57, though. And I have I know that before the AM kent State game, I came on here and said that Kent State was going to score some points in this game. It wasn't going to be close, but they were going to score some points. They didn't. They scored 10 in that, in that game. Clearly, I think I might have overvalued the Kent State offense, but this Iowa team at home, so I went back to 2016, so five full years plus that Indiana game uh, in week one. The under has hit in 23 of 34 games. So 23 unders, 10 overs, one push over that time. Again, Iowa at home since 2016, five full years plus the Indiana game. I just see Iowa taking control of this game early. 23 is a big number for me. Because I think that Iowa is going to hold the ball for 38, 39, 40 minutes. Just run it out next week. Excuse me, run it out this week. Blow out Colorado State the following week before conference play officially begins. 
I think I was I was just kind of looking to get out of this game healthy, get out of this game with like a, a thirty four to like ten ish kind of win, not go for any style points here at all. So your play here is what the under. Under on 57. Do you have a play on this game, either the spread or the total? I, I, I'm i fine with the Iowa under. I, I think a lot of people know the stats on the Iowa total thing. Like, if you're betting Iowa unders, you're probably making money. So I, I'm fine with that play. I'm more interested here, and, and I'm I'm not going to bet it. There's way too many good opportunities on the board for me to take take this risk. But I think in terms of principle, it's a good play. I really like Kent State here. Uh, plus, plus the bucket of points. And why? Because what did Iowa do the first two weeks of the season? Okay. Big emotional week one conference opener against Indiana. Week two, big emotional rivalry game at Iowa State. And now you come home and you play sleepy little Kent State. And this would be a letdown spot for, for anybody, but especially with Iowa who has this habit with Ferenc of just these weird dud games where they just like, they don't really show up in random spots and they win, but it's like 12 to eight. And you're like, what the hell happened there? I totally think that this is a spot for Kent state and it kind of lines up both culturally and just general gambling handicapping principles. It's a good spot for Kent state. Yes, you mentioned the the week one game for them. They played uh, Kent State did. They played VMI last week and and just throttled them. Threw up a bunch of points on the board. VMI decent FCS team this year, uh, uh, better than decent. They were a playoff team last year. So the fact that they just boat raced them, uh, I, I do wonder. I think it's a clash of styles. Iowa wants to go slow. Kent State wants to go fast. I think Kent State is the play here. It's I'm not going to play it. It's no action for me. But if you're playing that game. I, I would not load up on Iowa because I I think the Kent State side it might be the right one here. How about Tulane Ole Miss total of seventy six? How high would that total have to be for you to take the under? I mean that that is, man, like <laughs> seventy six is a high number and it might not be high enough. I think if I'm t- I'm not taking this, but that's why I wanted to ask. I think if I'm taking this, I'm probably taking the under because Tulane had that high profile game against Oklahoma where they scored a billion points. I think that that might be a little bit overvalued here because I don't know if they're going to get to, you know, 30 points against Ole Miss. That defense has looked pretty decent thus far. And I don't know if they're going to get there. And, and you're telling me Ole Miss is going to put up 50 or 55 in this game. Well, I'm not taking it either. But I, I would be on the over here, and I'll tell you why. Really? The the Louisville game, right? The the number there, you know, it kind of floated back and forth when the Kiffin news came out. But it, at some point, it was around like 75 and a half. So pretty much in the exact range we're talking about here with Tulane. And the under ends up cashing on the game. They, they end up scoring, I think, 68 points. But the under cash is because Louisville's offense, I mean, credit Ole Miss's defense as well. But a big part of that was Louisville's offense did not look good. And they didn't really hold up their end there that you needed if you wanted to get to the over. So now enter Tulane, who I think we believe is going to hold up their end offensively. Uh, they they will score some points here. So I think that the over could definitely be in play and that you could actually hit this maybe like early fourth quarter. I I think I think this could be like an 85, 90 point game. I mean, I, I think it could really go. 
what else are you taking here this week? You had mentioned some lines that you were going to keep an eye on, like South Carolina, Georgia, Kansas, Baylor, K-State, Nevada. Those have moved a little bit. Uh, Kansas was at plus 17. They're now at plus 18. Are you taking any of those, or, or where else are you going here? I just want to let you run before we wrap this up. Yeah, let's go through the list here. Uh, weeknight game, Maryland at Illinois. Maryland is uh, giving seven plus the hook. I like Maryland here, and this is a rare game where I'm really taking into effect. I'm not so much betting the number. I'm really thinking about the football. And my thought is, Illinois offensively is not equipped to hang with Maryland if Maryland gets up on top of them. They are not going to be able to come back. If Maryland goes up 14 or 17 points in this game early on, if they have a fast start, I think it's kind of game over. So I, I'm I'm willing to lay 7.5 on the road with Maryland. It is Maryland, so I mean, do that you know, and be prepared to be disappointed because I think we were really fast to crown a Maryland team that I thought looked really up and down against a West Virginia team that doesn't know what it's doing really offensively at all, it seems like, for large swaths of time. So that's a small bet for me, but I'm on the Maryland side there. One of my favorite bets of the week, this is kind of one of those Toledo first half-esque uh, tickets that I dug up. I like Boston College Temple under 30 for the first half. This is a 12 p.m. kick. It's at Temple. Boston College quarterback done for the year. So you've got a backup quarterback taking his first start on the road against a Temple team that is offensively anemic. I think this has under 30 written all over it. And the total has been bet down already, about two and a half, three, three and a half points. So people are attacking the under here. But for some reason, the books have not adjusted the first half under. And normally you might wonder in a game like this where one team is significantly better than the other, oh, well, that's because, you know, they're going to come out and just boat race them right out of the gate and Boston College is going to be up 31-3 to at halftime and then they're just going to coast through the second half. But with a backup quarterback starting, I'm wondering if that's not necessarily the case. So I really like under 30 here for the first half. Sleepy, boring, 12 p.m. kick. Get your money early. That one cashes by 115. Uh, we talked about the Nebraska-Oklahoma over. Another game we talked about in the early episode of High Motor this week that I mentioned, Michigan State at Miami. Michigan State's catching six and a half. I like the number here. I like the fact that Miami just doesn't look all that good so far. Michigan State does look good. Outright win at Northwestern, which, I mean, that's another one I was right on. I, I don't even know that I want to brag on the, on Michigan State being Northwestern because Northwestern might be the worst team in the Big Ten. I mean, they, they don't look very good at all. But I do think Michigan State looks good. I like them to catch six and a half in Miami. I think they could win that game outright. Clemson, currently a 28.5 point favorite over Georgia Tech. I remember, I think it was last year, I took the under in the Clemson-Georgia Tech game because I thought, like, hey, Clemson's going to win by a bunch of points, but their defense is just going to destroy Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech's not going to score any points, so I like the under. And I was I was half right because Georgia Tech didn't really score any points, but Clemson won like 77-0 or something. I mean, so I just got murdered on this under. This time, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay the lumber with Clemson. I'm just gonna lay the 28 and a half and assume that their offense is gonna get right in a conference game against Georgia Tech, where they're not really gonna get a lot of pushback. 
I mentioned Wazoo catching the eight and a half at home against USC. That is so smelly to me. I think that, I mean, that could be an outright upset, but I'll happily take the eight and a half. I really like one of my stronger plays this week, Wake minus five against Florida State. Yes, this is a bounce back spot for Florida State, and that worries me a little bit, but I just think Wake Forest is a much better team than Florida State right now. I know Mike Norvell is your boy, but I I think Wake is under. Oh. <laughs> is he is he not? Am I wrong about that? Not anymore. Well, I think Wake is a way better team, and I, I, I'm I'll lay five here. Uh, I'm getting Wake at home, better team. Florida State's zero and two. Yes, they're desperate, but I'm doing it anyway. Your Andrew Dowdy, your Liberty Flames minus twenty seven at home against ODU. I read a column this week by a Hampton Roads columnist, I believe, he, Virginia Pilot, maybe. I, I'm not sure who he, who he worked for. But this poor guy had to write a column about ODU football, which I just wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. ODU is not a good football team. They hung like 57 or something on Hampton this week, and so this is why this guy was like, hey, signs of life? Like, nah, man, Hampton sucks. <laughs> who cares he scored 57? Uh, so they're going to go to Lynchburg this week and get killed. Liberty minus 27. And this is a little bit like the game two weeks ago where I said, hey, I know they're laying like 30, but that's actually a pretty good number because Liberty is way better than the team they're playing. I feel the same about this. They're only having to lay 27 against ODU. That is a pretty decent number against a very bad team. Liberty minus 27 against ODU. Georgia minus 32 against South Carolina. People have... Not caught on to the fact that South Carolina sucks because they're 2-0. They figured out a way to beat East Carolina last week. Congrats. And I think they—I think there was a late field goal maybe. I, I was kind of watching it at a brunch before a wedding. Uh, whatever. South, Georgia's going to kill South Carolina. This is not going to be a competitive game. I, will I mean, is South Carolina going to score a touchdown here? Probably not. Right. I wonder if South Carolina's defense has a better chance of scoring a touchdown than South Carolina's offense. How about get that prop up, huh? My Central Michigan Chippewas catching 19 and a half at LSU. Just not impressed by LSU at all. I thought they were gonna kill McNeese last week. They just, I mean, they were up like 17 to zero late in the third. Just. That team is not right. I can't believe Central Michigan, who is a decent team, is getting almost three touchdowns here. Give me the chips. We talked about Boise State. San Jose State, minus six and a half right now. It's been bouncing back and forth between six and a half and seven. But they're at Hawaii. We have talked many, many times about how people overvalue Hawaii's home field advantage. I think this is part of that. San Jose State is a way better team. Hawaii does not look very good this year. So give me San Jose State only having to lay the six and a half or the seven. Your Kansas Jayhawks, Andrew Dowdy. Kansas plus 18. I can't believe Kansas is getting 18 points. They've looked pretty decent. They didn't look that bad. I'm curious if you're going to get to Buffalo Coastal here at some point because, like, Coastal didn't look that good and Kansas didn't look that bad. And this number went up. Like I said, it was at 17. Now it's at 18. Yeah. So maybe let it keep going. You'll get it at 20 before kickoff. And I mean, Baylor is a bottom three team, I think, in the Big 12. So, I mean, I'm you gotta you gotta lay 18 with Baylor on the road. I get that it's Kansas, but I mean that's just too much. So give me Kansas plus the 18. And dude, I'm I'm not betting it. I'll be super clear about that. There is no 
ex like valid logical reason why West Virginia is a three point favorite at home against Virginia Tech. That line is the smelliest line on the board this week. Virginia Tech should be a road favorite. The fact that West Virginia is minus three, it's there's just something weird about that. I would be taking the Mountaineers because that is a weird line. The last one I just want to ask you about really quickly because this will coastal. Uh, well, no, I mean you obviously didn't touch on that. It's so like I can't imagine you're taking um, either side. Just, on that. It seems weird. It opened at eleven. I think it's up to fourteen already. I mean, it's yeah. just it's it it gave me pause. And I think coastal is much better than Buffalo. I. I mean, what do you do with Buffalo where they beat the living crap out of an FCS team and then they go to Nebraska and they get drilled? So I'm not really sure what to do with Buffalo. That's that's a weird line to me, and I'm staying away from it. The one I want to ask you about, because this will uh, air Thursday morning, it's Ohio at Louisiana on Thursday night. Sure. So if anybody had listened to the entire episode and they wanted to bet on this game tonight, uh, right now it's at 20, I believe it opened at 19 or 19 and a half at 20 right now. I don't know what we've seen. I mean, you talk shit on Duquesne, I think, like two weeks ago, and then they go to Ohio and win that game. I get that Louisiana probably isn't as good as we thought they were, but this Ohio team is absolutely awful. Is this like a weekday game and people don't know what to do with it and they're giving Ohio too much credit? They don't realize that this is not the reliable eight-win team that Frank Solich had for the last 15 years? Like, what am I missing here? And I'm surprised you're not taking Louisiana. Yeah, it, it seems really odd to me. I, I, too, thought the line was weird. I didn't want to lay that many points with Louisiana was my problem. I, and and maybe maybe I'm going to end up being wrong for that. I do think if, if, you, if you made me bet it, my lean would be Louisiana and lay the points. Duquesne is an NEC team, man. And they're good in the NEC. Like, they regularly compete for, for championships in that conference. But that is one of the worst FCS conferences that there is. I mean, they they when they get to the playoffs, they're like non-competitive. They get drilled by Ivy League schools. I mean, they're just those teams aren't very good. And the, I was pretty shocked. That was one of the most surprising games I've seen so far. Is is when Duquesne beat Ohio. I mean, how bad is Ohio? So yes, if you want to bet that, I would bet Louisiana. Uh, maybe I would think about the team total over for Louisiana, but. It's just something about, I thought they were going to be better. I was surprised by how mediocre they looked in that Texas game. I get they were playing a P5 school. And maybe that actually gives them value here because they lost a high-profile game. So so they've you know they've taken a dip in the marketplace. But I, I just didn't want to lay that many points with Louisiana, and that's what it came down to. But if you want to bet it, I would lean toward the Rage and Cajun. I was hoping you'd be more convincing to take Louisiana because I really want to take them, but I don't think you made it convincing. I haven't taken them yet. Take it. I was hoping you'd make a more convincing argument for that. Let me put it this way. If you want to bet on a game Thursday night, I would rather have the under in the NFC game than Louisiana. We're back on Monday. That's September 20th to look back at NFL week two, uh, look back at college football week three. Also look ahead to Monday night football. Those numbers, any positions, if any positions on that game, if we have any, we didn't even talk about Lions Packers today. I don't love that. I mean, I'm guessing since you didn't bring it up, but we'll bring that up again on Monday morning, and then we'll be back with more betting a week from now, Thursday, September 23rd. Thank you for checking out High Motor by BetMGM. Send any questions to at High Motor Pod on Twitter. Ping uh, ping Chase directly at Chase A Kitty with any specific betting questions for this weekend or going into Monday night football. Thank you for listening. We're back on Monday morning. We'll be right back.